It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast. I am your host, John. This week, we get to our monthly conversation with Fallon Bowman, where we run through the entire Deftones discography. This month, we talk about the Deftones self-titled album. Interestingly enough, this is an album that has always gotten shit on uh, anytime I've talked about this record with Deftones fans. It's not considered an especially good record by a lot of people, and it's fine. I understand that I have a, a different love of this record than probably a lot of people do, uh, you'll hear a story of the day I literally went out and bought it, uh, when it came out, the day it came out, uh, and I know that it kind of speaks to a time where there was kind of fandom about heavily anticipating an album and going and buying it, and to put it into perspective, this is coming off of the massive success of White Pony, both critically and commercially, and to see how the band kind of dropped off on this album is very interesting considering the fact that so many people, like I said, hated Minerva, the lead-off single when it came out. Although technically Lucky You was, I believe, the official pre-release single that ended up on the Matrix soundtrack. Uh, there were a lot of songs that used to do that back in the day where a band would put a single out on a soundtrack to get people to be interested in buying the record before it came out. Uh, it's more or less now known as the promotional single as it's kind of become standard in today's music industry to put out a single that just serves as the promotional single to get everyone excited about a song or an album before it comes out and then you get the actual song that's the lead-off single which in this case would have been Minerva. Interestingly enough, uh, Fallon hadn't really listened to this record and as you'll hear in this interview, she only really spent, uh time recently in the last handful of years listening to this record and i think gearing up for this conversation this might have been her third or fourth time actually making it all the way through so this is where you kind of start seeing the divide as far as not having huge fandom of an album or having a lot of memories associated with this album and and particularly this, this band as a whole um so it was very interesting to to kind of get into this and i think it'll be very interesting to kind of go from here uh, as we've kind of discussed a few times, Diamond Eyes is, is really where a lot of people got back into the band that had kind of fallen off from the self-titled record and what ended up becoming Saturday Night Wrist. For a lot of people, that's where the band, they fell off from being into the band as heavily as they were on the first three albums and then subsequently from Diamond Eyes on. Although it seems that a lot of people are kind of eh about gore. So when we get there, it'll be very interesting to see how that is how that album has been for both of us uh as a whole i'm very looking forward to getting this conversation out uh, i'm not really going to do a whole lot of editing to it just because it flies by really quickly uh i think like i said with fallon not being into this record a whole lot going into this conversation i think uh it comes across that you know there's not a whole lot to talk about since it doesn't have a lot of attachments to, to anything really uh so this conversation will kind of go by pretty quickly and if uh, you want to join in the conversation, please do, whether it be on 
Fallon socials because I know she posts when these episodes go up and so forth. Uh, we've gotten a little discourse going between her fans, uh, and I'll jump into as far as what the the best song from an album is, or just you know memories associated when with the album in particular that we are discussing for some of the fans of hers that you know have talked about. Oh, I remember being in high school when this came out and hanging out with my friends and so on and so forth. So thoroughly enjoyed the feedback and just kind of the discourse of conversation uh, involved with with our rundown. Uh, it's really what I wanted and hoped would happen, and I thoroughly enjoy, you know, getting into conversation about music. And, I mean, it's sometimes people take it a little too personally, but I think at the end of the day that, uh, you know, it's all in good fun. And basically it just shows our love of, of the band and of these albums. And that's that's the fun part about doing this. And I, I've been really glad and to do this with Fallon and, you know, having – some other friends text me about how how wrong we are with the song we ended up picking or how how we couldn't have picked a different song that they think is the best off of these so it's it's been a lot of fun uh doing these over the last handful of months and you know we're approaching the almost halfway point at this point and i i I think i'll be kind of sad when this is all said and done uh especially given like i said the fact that fallon hasn't really been uh as keen on these next two albums as as we have been over the the other three uh all that being said uh you can find fallon uh at fallon bowman pretty much everywhere and my socials you can find me on john's untitled podcast on facebook instagram and youtube channel uh as well as john's untitled pod at gmail.com and you can tweet at me at john's untitled pod and fallon you can find her on her youtube channel at fallon fallon bowman tv uh, very recently, it was announced that the original lineup of Kitty is getting back together and playing some songs with, with that era of the band, as well as basically every incarnation of the band over the last you know 20-some-odd years uh, in anticipation of the release of their documentary, which is officially going to be showed uh, in the next couple of weeks. So if you are in the Canada area, I'm blanking right now off of off the top of my head of where exactly they said they were playing, but uh, the the show is just doing the one-off. Uh, so if you're a fan and around the area and can get to the show, go. Uh, not sure when and if they will ever get back together, let alone anyone that was involved in the band being able to play. So to be able to get such a retrospective visually uh, of the band will be very interesting. And it's a very nominal fee to get in. I think it's $10 day of and like $5 in advance. So, uh, don't be a dick. Uh, if you're in the area, spare the $5. Don't get a fucking Starbucks coffee for one day. And go and see Kitty in all of its many incarnations. I think this is something really cool, and I, I really wish it would tour the states. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, you know, I, I had found out that apparently the band didn't necessarily do the greatest uh in their own home country. So I find that kind of interesting to, to find out, but I mean, I'm not surprised. Like there are a lot of bands that have that, that happen to them where they're just not as popular in the area they're from, but have a lot of success, you know, somewhere else. Um, but with all that being said, I'm going to get into this chat with uh, Fallon Bowman going over the self-titled album by the Deftones. So let's get into it.
let's start getting into this this album. All right. So we have made it through three albums, I think out of nine. Uh, yep. It's funny because I wasn't sure if we, like I said, I think the last time I wasn't sure if eventually we'll go back through and do the B-sides and rarities and covers album and all that kind of stuff is for fun. Um, sure. <laughs> but studio album wise, I think this is, this is album four, which yep. came out in 2004, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, or three, but I know I was at a high school. It would have been three, yeah. yeah. Um, so the fun backstory of this, because like we've been teasing this whole time, <sighs> you hadn't seen from here on basically up until this newest album, Gore. Yeah. You had you hadn't seen the band from here on until this year. So there's a, about a gap of 14 years uh, from yeah. when you've seen the band. Yep. This is where I started seeing the band live. Um, yeah. So. This will be me, kind of be a little bit me-centric as far as uh, tour stories, although I don't have cool ones like you or someone stole me a, a, <laughs> a stage shirt that I kept in my house for forever. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I saw this tour, and, and like I said on the last one after we talked about seeing this, this present tour, it's very weird to gear up for this talk because basically I saw two-thirds of this tour that we just saw this year back in 2003. Uh, uh, yeah. As I think I might have said previously, uh, Thrice and Thursday were on tour together, and Thursday was hopping off. After they played a Detroit date, they played here in Grand Rapids at the Orbit Room. And for one show, at least I think it was one show, might have been two, the show in Detroit might have been the second one, but we were the last show of this very brief package tour of Deftones, Thrice, and Thursday. Um, ah. Deftones was, uh, this record had just come out, and Thursday had just recently put out War All the Time, which was, to me, and still is, like, their best record. And Thrice, I think, was about ready to put out Artist in the Ambulance, which was kind of a big, like, their big record for right. that band as far as what it did and kind of putting them on the map. And it was really weird because I didn't know much about thrice but i knew that a lot of my friends really really enjoyed them okay but i just never took the time to hear them uh, for some reason i think i got kind of wrapped up in oh they're like a christian hard rock band or something i was like <laughs> and which is funny because that's pretty much all i ended up listening to basically after around that same time so i don't know why right. the hesitation but uh i really enjoyed what they were doing it was different to see someone of Asian descent playing guitar because I mean back then you didn't have very much uh, different cultures and ethnicities and stuff yeah, yeah. playing playing <laughs> there's instruments there's like a whole absence of people of color in, in hard music or whatever at, completely that's yeah. a whole other topic though <laughs> yeah um, I mean later would I find out that there's bands like Sepultura and you know stuff Max Cavalera and all those guys you know would do or Puya and all that kind of stuff around the same time frame but it was a couple of years out of my realm of knowledge but uh I was really impressed with the band. They were really aggressive, and a lot of very uh, emo-looking kids seemed to really like them, but it was, it was really weird. I walked away a fan, but I didn't understand the, the demographic that they had. It was very weird to me. But they mm -hmm. had a shared demographic with Thry or I mean with Thursday, and I used to hate Jeff Rickley's voice on the first <laughs> record, and I'd never seen him live, and there was just something about him that felt more like a hardcore band that didn't necessarily come across on on record so it was very interesting to see how aggressive that band kind of was and chaotic they were live 
because uh, on paper it didn't make much sense that Deftones would be touring with either of these bands. Right. Um, <laughs> so when they saw them open, the floor went nuts. I think they oversold the venue by a couple hundred, and most of that was most of the venue cap was like on the floor. So it was oh. very packed and sweaty, and we were very up close, my friend and I. And that was his birthday gift. And I'll never forget this show for another reason, because I bought him these tickets to see this band to go see Deftones because we were big fans. And some girl that he had a crush on bought him a pair of shitty, like, New Balance shoes because he didn't have, like, a decent pair of shoes. And he went on and on about that instead. And I was like, I fucking took you to go see Deftones, you asshole. Like, that's way cooler than a pair of shoes that you're never going to wear. Yeah. That's just because she bought it. Yeah, something like that. I always like to give him shit because uh, I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, but I always remember that because like, people would be like, what'd you get for your birthday? He's like, I got these sweet shoes. And I'm like, I fucking took you to a show. And I drove you. <laughs> fucking dick. That's funny. But uh, <laughs> the other thing I remember is that like, it was so packed and sweaty on the floor that when we were trying to get out to go up to the balcony, I kind of like had to put your hands straight up in the air just to kind of turn and, and move. And uh, I remember I got my arm tangled in my friend's arm who kind of was doing the same thing. <laughs> but the singer from Thursday came down into the crowd. And basically when my friend went to put his hand up, like got it stuck like in his hair and then like entangled with other people's arms and shit. So like we're kind of just stuck like he's like, I'm stuck holding onto this dude's hair. And then you're just like, oh, uh. so <laughs> we just kind of got stuck there until he like untangled himself from the crowd and, and went and then we went upstairs. And that's when we finally got to see the Deftones. And I remember hearing there was a DVD that had come out shortly before this called, uh, it was like the music in high places thing that MTV was doing at the time. Oh, okay. Um, where basically they would send bands to like, I think this one was in Hawaii and they sent the Deftones there and it was like a small crowd playing, like they're playing like a little outdoor, like amphitheater that holds, excuse me, holds maybe a hundred and something people. I don't know. It was very tiny looking and the band sounded pretty bad oh and all i'd ever heard was how chino sounds terrible live so i was like oh no <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna like be so amped to see this band and they're just gonna be fucking terrible yeah. so i was not really stoked and this is like oh, the early days shit. of youtube and like even worse quality phones than we have now so it's like everything you're seeing is just horrible sounding and you're like oh, this is this is not gonna be good um so we went and saw this the band, and, and I was really surprised at how good they were, and, and it wasn't bad. I thought it was actually really good, so I, I kind of either felt like I was very lucky that I didn't have a bad Deftones experience, and maybe they're just a band that sometimes they're on and sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting is I think around that time is when they kind of sort of started playing around with using in-ears. So I think that's kind of, like Chino has said, like it's helped him perform better, but he you know, likes the crowd interaction and shit like that. So a lot of times he either rips them out or leaves one in and takes one out. And so you can at least hear like the crowd, uh, right. In a live setting, but because it's, it really, it really blocks out everything. Like you really can't hear anything else. It's bizarre. It's a, I don't like that feeling either. I can totally empathize. It would be interesting to, to get them. Cause I know you can use your, I know a lot of band people use their ears as a uh, headphones. Um, yeah. but it'd be interesting to, to actually see what it feels like when you're playing, but yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, so it, it was a really good show and I walked away being very stoked, but I was really disappointed because Poison the Well was supposed to, they were hopping oh. on the tour the very next day when Thrice was hopping off or Thursday was hopping off one or the other. And so I was like, kind of bummed. I was like, fuck, I really want to see Poison the Well. Oh, <laughs> Cause I mean, at God. that point, like, think about that, like Poison the Well would have put out, like, I think the opposite of December at that point. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so I, such so a I mean, amazing record. Uh. And so, I mean, to, like, think about, like, being able to see Poison the Wall on arguably, like, one of the greater records of, of that genre. Yep. Yep. I mean. Agreed. Come on. But it was yep. not meant to be, so. It was not meant to be, no. So that was that was the only time I got to see him on this tour, the first and only time, because um, it would be a couple more years before I got to see him again, just because they're, it's really weird. Deftones have been in this since White Pony had been in this weird thing where they would go and either support bands and play in bigger arenas or mm-hmm. headline and play small theaters. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, like with Grand Rapids being a B market, surprisingly, Deftones have done really good about only having to play A markets, even if, uh, and kind of segueing into this record as a whole, this record actually kind of flopped from what I remember. Um, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> It it didn't sell well. I remember a lot of people hating a lot of the songs on this record. Uh, we'll kind of get into the the issues with Team Sleep also kind of being announced in a, in a sort of band that was recording around the same time uh, and conflicting with all that. But yeah, this record didn't didn't do well. Um, and it's really weird because as I was listening to this leading up to this chat, I I still really like this record a lot. Um, even though I'm going to say things that would make it seem like i don't (laughs) right um well i mean that's a general trend i think with with all of these is that clearly we have a tremendous respect for them as a whole but there are little these little the details like sneak in there that you're like oh god why (laughs) so album opener hexagram what did you have for it um and also before you start actually i should also mention because you know just to clarify not only had you not seen this band, you but you've also kind of had made mention throughout the different chats we've had that you also really didn't listen. It sounded like to a lot of these records either when they first came out, or you know, up until recently. So, you yeah. it'll be interesting to see what you say as someone who's got you know almost fourteen years removed from when this came out and probably barely listened to it when it came out. So I'm interested to see what how you feel about this now, looking back on these these songs and really okay. giving it like a fair shake. So with that being said, and just kind of setting uh, the table. I- I tried to be as fair as possible. That's, that's for sure. Um, I remember that I, at, just to give you an idea of where I was in headspace wise in 2002, 2003, not in a very good place by any means. Um, and so I, as much as I loved the Deftones, I kind of associated them with some not so great times for me. And so when this record came out, I didn't even, I didn't even buy it. I didn't listen to it. I'd want nothing to do with them what, at all. It's very interesting that you say that in conjunction to, or in contrast to the story of when White Pony came out and Jack Jack uh, Osborne played it for you, you immediately yeah. went out and bought it. So very yes. interesting that two rec- so, one record removed, like you have a completely different story with it or experience. 100%. It was a it was a complete three sixty. Um, at any rate, so when I first and I can I can tell you that the first time I heard it all the way through was recently like within the last <laughs> two years okay okay um hexagram interestingly enough reminds me a lot of taproot okay and a way that i what i mean by that is just like the beginning of gift like the yep. like the very first song it just it just reminded me and it's so funny because usually people probably would say the opposite right like oh it reminds me they're kind of a deftonesy band yeah but since i had never heard this record like or since I had very limited amount of exposure to it, that was the first thing I thought. I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Taproot. Most people probably wouldn't make 
<laughs> probably would not make that comparison or you know something like will haven which is another sacramento band um i mean so it's got this gift came out around the same time as what or no welcome i'm sorry welcome came out around this or no I always confuse the two records because, I mean, having a single title <laughs> album <laughs> kind of makes it hard to remember which one's which. But I think it came out in 2000. Yeah, okay. So um, Welcome would have been the second one with Poem and all that shit on it. So yeah, this would have came out around the same time. So those two so records I, anyway. But yeah. it's it To me, it, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't, it shouldn't be the first thing I thought of, but it was. Um, it's got this sort of, heavy sludgy guitar is what I called it um because it, to me it doesn't sound like the Deftones at all like comparing <laughs> something like going from White Pony which I think is an absolute masterpiece uh -huh. to this as an opener I'm like okay wow uh all right <laughs> that's happening but I don't think it's a very strong opener to be honest with you <laughs> Um, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the singing at all. And I felt like it was kind of a schizo song. Okay. Um, uh, it's to me, it was just such a departure from white pony. And, and by that, I mean, just studying. Everything. <laughs> it was just, it, it just seemed, um, out of place in, 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 in progress, in, in terms of progression as a band like it just done it didn't make sense to me and i remember even you know recently hearing it for the first time i'm like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> okay so um that was what i thought of it it was just a very very strange song it's gonna be fun doing doing these i think from here on out because <laughs> now apparently our notes aren't going to be similar at all um yeah. so i wrote I love the way that the song kicks in with a simple guitar riff akin to Be Quiet and Drive. The chorus riff is so fucking heavy and aggressive. Bold letters. Love it. Um, I really love how Frank adds another layer to this song with his samples in the background. I think that there's a lot of experimentation in this song with the various effects and key changes, uh, like the vocal effects that Chino's using on this. Um, the key changes between kind of almost that... Uh, it, I, I'm going to say this and I know that it's not, but... It almost has that like blast beat kind of that that Abe's playing, oh, yeah. and it's like yeah. that you've never seen a, a, a pseudo blast beat thrown in on a Deftone song, so that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I I wrote that I kind of hate the snare tone on this song. Uh, I feel like the cymbals sound kind of good, but they're all very similar sounding as far as what he's doing. But the mm -hmm. snare hit just sounds like it's in like a room, and it's got too much like echo and, and like just presence basically on it that it doesn't. I mean, go to, like, a song like, you know, um, uh, Digital Bath and just, have, like, how nice that drum, like, that snare tone oh. sounds. And then you go to this and it just sounds, it's, like, almost like St. Anger to me, like, where it's just, like, so grating. You're just like, fuck, this, this snare hit just sounds terrible. Like, who fucking mixed that? And you know it's like, why? that sounds great. Um, I wrote that I also feel like Chino's screams are kind of shitty on this. Like, it was done with a handheld and it just didn't have like either something like he had blown out his voice before like or was had a cold or something during this this album recording and it just didn't have the oomph that it really needed to now i've seen this song be performed live and it, it doesn't come across that way at all um but it's interesting that you brought up that the guitar sounds different and to me this is this is very much where stefan's love of mashuga and the, the style of like riffs that they do where it's very single note heavy kind of more about locking in on like a weird like sort of syncopated groove and stuff like that 
this is the album where it comes out the most. It, as soon as, like, from here on, because at this point, this is where he starts playing around with baritone scaled necks and playing around with seven string guitars tuning down to i think at this point he's they're playing an f at at certain times or maybe b or a um i know more recently with the h string or whatever i know he's like an f or something like that so this is where you start seeing a lot more of the the super down tuned uh stuff and i feel like more of a resurgence of the sort of around the fur style riffing if that makes sense um, yep. Just in the approach of the songwriting, but I I always kind of love this song sort of as an intro because it it's falsely lures you in like oh we're gonna kind of be a little more ethereal again still white pony and then it's just like <laughs> oh, here comes okay. this like beating over your head riff and you're just like oh shit okay yeah so I always kind of loved it for that I thought it was a pretty good album opener uh, I'll kind of get to the one I think should have been the the album opener as we go forth further but excuse me um that's kind of how i felt about it it's it's a good song i think uh i like a lot of things that are going on in it but i also don't love everything that's happening and some of the problems <laughs> i have keep popping up throughout the rest of this record so it's kind of a great example of all the things i love and all the things i hate um but oh, as a whole i would say this is a good uh good idea of where this this album is going to take you i think yeah I, I would agree with that i would agree with that um, uh Anyway. <laughs> so next up is Needles and Pins. Yep. Uh, I wrote that uh, you can really tell that Steph has fallen in love with the seven-string guitars and the lower register he got on some of the baritone-scaled necks on this album already. The oh, single-note groove is very much what the Deftones do very well. Perfect vehicle for Chino's more breathy vocals that he does all over this song. Chorus gives way to a playful, heavy chorus riff with lots of room for Chino's vocal melodies and Cheed's scream vocals in the background. Still kind of hate how rasping uh, his scream is on this song, too. I feel like the drum mix is a little weird. The kick drum is super punchy and, and pronounced. The snare is kind of too roomy, echoey, and the cymbals are, are still very, like, fighting for the, the front mix uh, with the, the kick drum, in my opinion. And I don't know. I'm wondering, and now that I'm kind of looking back at my notes, I'm starting to wonder if maybe, like, everyone was like, yo, fucking digital bat, those, those drum tones sounded so good that they just tried to sort of mirror them yeah and just couldn't do it because i mean as we kind of talked about i'm pretty sure this is the first record that that band did where they did not have terry date mixing the record oh i think i'm going to look that up while you talk about what you think about this song uh i'm in love with that riff yes it's so cool it's just it's so different and, and like but not and something that you would expect from step i think um I, I mean, the vocals to me are very flat. Like I wasn't even paying attention to the singing. <laughs> I was paying more so to the guitars um, and listening to that. Or I, whenever, whenever I listen to the song, I pay more attention to the guitars more than anything. This, the vocals are, are Chino. Okay, it's Chino. You can hear it. It's the sleepy sort of adrenaline-esque kind of, you know, what you come to expect from him. And so it it's something that I kind of tune out. Right. Um, and I was, and I, I paid just more attention to the, the, the guitar work on this one for some reason. That's just, that's basically all I said was love the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else really about this song or just kind of, that's, that's where you're at with it. That's where I was at with that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to Minerva. I'll go ahead and let you start with this one. Sure. This was uh, the only one that I had heard like 
uh, either on the radio or the, like the video for it. It was the only one that I had heard at the time uh -huh. um, that I was like, okay, good single. I like the single. It's not strong, but it's it's good. I like it. Uh, and then everything else, I'm like, meh. <laughs> Don't want to listen to it. For and like I said, for the reasons that I stated before, it was just not a good time for me. Uh -huh. um, I wrote. It's got a really, really familiar groove to me. Uh, that's got a great hook, great chorus, um, and it's got this what I call a swimming quality. And I think that that uh, is something that you can apply to any Deftone song. It has this, you know, like you're wading through water kind of song. Yeah. Uh, sorry, kind of feel to it, and that's yeah. And you, and that I think is is a is an overarching theme through this entire record. Is this really kind of this? It, it moves as if you're swimming through a really really I don't know still pond or something. That's just very low low energy for me. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's very smooth. I don't know, like legato kind of. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not bad. I think it's. I don't hate it. <laughs> it's funny that you picked up on that it sounds familiar, and the more I hear this song, I always think it sounds like a, a an alternative take on Chino's "Change in the House of Flies" riff. That instead of playing like a full bar chord with the little accents underneath, this is just playing kind of the melody that would go over it with no bar chord. And then allowing Steph to come in with the big walloping bar chords over it to kind of create a blanket. That's kind of how I feel about it as far as that. Um, I wrote that the song gets a lot of shit and I don't know why. But I love how the first two songs are more aggressive and then this one comes in and just kind of washes over you in a more serene kind of a way. See, uh, it's, a perfect, yep. <laughs> it's a perfect representation of all the guys in the band meshing really well with what they do. Chino with his melodies and his guitar playing as well. Steph and Chi adding the right amount of warmth and bite to make it embrace you. The drums are tight, nothing too flashy, but a driving beat, and Frank with those well-timed swells in the background to complement Steph's verse riffs. This to me is a shining example of why I actually really love the Deftones when they're firing on all cylinders, and the little single note bending thing that Chino does before the bridge and outro of the song really shows that a quote-unquote solo can just be a single note and have so much emotion as, a pair, as opposed to a million notes being played in that same amount of space. Yeah. It's this song is all about refrain and and what you're not doing. Mhm. Mm and yep. to me this I mean I've always loved this song. I've always loved how it makes you feel. I love when you see it live and the and I mean whoever their like guy is always does a great job of when you know the chorus kicks in or whatever like the lights kind of slowly washing over the crowd and down onto yep. the band and then back out like creating a very interesting experience and yeah. for as much like i said this sh the song always gets a lot of shit people are like this isn't deftones this isn't you know the band i love this is i don't what? know what the fuck this is and, i wouldn't say that and a lot i see uh, yeah. a lot of divide on this song for a lot of people like when i did the uh deftones tribute show i did a handful of years ago uh december 11th oh no it can't be right december of 11 2011 so shit six years ago at this point now um <laughs> And interestingly enough, I called the show an anniversary of an un uninteresting event a tribute to the Deftones because, <laughs> I mean, it's a great title to call something um, for a tribute show with, for a band name that's, you know, already kind of built Sony. in. 
but uh it's one of those things where i remember a band that played this song that was covering it like they kind of were like oh yeah that fucking song blah 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 and they kind of shit talked and i was like why don't you like it and they're like it's just it's just whatever and it's like i think like when you see it live you if you don't like the song and you see it live i think it gives you a completely different appreciation for what it is right and then you like it's kind of like i say with a lot of things like everyone hates kanye west that i know and people are quick to offer you their opinion on kanye west and then you just go well do you like the music or have you listened to the music no but i don't like him so i don't like his music and it's like well okay so that being <laughs> said i am a, a pretty big kanye fan and the last record he put out there were some parts where i was like i don't i don't get this and yeah. i didn't understand why parts were there and they just seemed very abrupt and weird and then I saw it live, and then I had that, like, oh, this was for the live, not for the record. Yeah. And I feel like this is one of those songs where it's great on the record, but when you see it live, it, it really takes it to a different level than it does on the on the album. Right. And okay. so I think for a lot of people that are like, you yeah, know, this song sucks. It's like, well, then go fucking watch it live and then tell me that it sucks, because it doesn't. <laughs> so there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Um. Good morning, beautiful. Uh, your turn. Okay. This is another another song and another example where I lie. I love the driving nature that the song has right away. Um, and something the Deftones are great at is just coming right out the gates, you know, with a really driving percussive song before there's any vocals or anything. Um, I love the cymbal accents that Abe's doing on this between like the ride and the hi hats. Um, it just really sounds great, like in a nice pair of headphones or if stereo system or whatever. It just sounds great and it's something different because there's a lot of shit he's doing on this record where I was reading something recently where someone's like, oh, Abe doing the same thing he's been doing for the last 20-something years. And I was like, you know, I I don't agree with that either. But uh, a song like this kind of shows the growth that even he's doing as a player, you know, four records in. Uh, and countless years of playing songs that, you know, they're doing little things that are, are slightly different and kind of grow, like expanding on what the dynamics that they can bring to the table. And, and this is a great example of Abe doing some different symbol work that not really seen before this. Um, chorus lyrics. I've always loved the chorus to this. I think the, the lyrics to it are really great. I always felt that the guitar riff over it was very uninspired compared to the rest of the song. The mm. bridge section... I don't need it. I don't feel like it services the song at all. It kind of disjoints it a little bit to me. And the amount of times they play the, the chorus into as the outro, I felt was pretty unnecessary. Um, oh my god. If you I, skip the song, which I did. <laughs> when um, you skip to the back, it's, it's like, okay, is the song over? Nope, nope, yep, still playing that yeah. chorus. I wrote, this is also another song that seems to deal a lot with the end of something. Uh, Mentions of a Rapture, which is a song title eventually on the next record. Um, but you already, you kind of get a, a sense of sort of loss and a, an end to something on this record already in the, in the first four songs in. Like there's, and I don't know if this is when Chino was going through a divorce or some, mm -hmm. some marital issues. I didn't bother looking for that. But Probably. you kind of get a very sense of a, a very awkward or that's not even the word I, I should use a very toxic relationship kind of coming to an end i, I kind of get a feel from from the lyrics personally interesting uh 
I thought that the, I also thought that the drums were something that stuck out to me on this on this song, and it's always been, you know, Abe is a fantastic drummer uh, in his own right, for many reasons because he's so he's not flashy really. He's he's very he's effective when he needs to be. Right. Um, but I did not like this song. I never have. <laughs> uh, I, I just feel that there is a lot of a lot of loose ends that are not being tied up. And I think that's maybe what you like, uh, sort of what you were saying that there's a, there's something very, um, forced, pain, forced and painful about this song to listen to. So it's probably reason why I don't like it. <laughs> just like, there's something like everybody's sort of playing their, playing their parts, but it's not coming together, um, in a cohesive manner. Yeah, um, and and compared to Minerva, it's yeah, it's a lot yeah. more noticeable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's that's that track. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, just breezing through this. Yeah. Uh, Death Blow. Oh, is it my turn? Yep. <laughs> actually, saw, sorry to cut well, you off. Something else I'm noticing as I'm actually just looking <laughs> at the the song titles. I think it also kind of supports my thought of a weird toxic relationship kind of coming to a head yep i mean if you if you kind of start looking at it you know good morning beautiful death blow and girls telephone boys battle axe lucky you bloody cape anniversary of an uninteresting event stuff like that yeah yeah okay i feel that okay (laughs) uh yeah i for death blow uh the only thing i put was that it always reminded me of like a jam song Yes. Like a jam, like just people just, you know, playing and there's no direction to the song at all. No. It's just like, you just can play, man. But that is every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, not a fan. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a skipper for me, this one. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, I wrote that I love the idea of this song, but not a fan of the execution. Everything ah, that made okay. Minerva great with the whole band working together this feels like a less good version of that. Uh, <laughs> I also cringe when Chino does that weird note in the chorus where it kind of seems like you can't hit it or it's flat or I don't know, but it always makes me cringe. Like I'm like, Ugh, that's, that's not good. But I feel like a sentiment that I'll keep saying, but I think it's where White Pony went as far as the, the sonic landscapes that Frank is adding to all these songs. It's so much more prevalent in the like take a song like change in the house of flies that like weird like swirling like thing that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's oh, so much of that there's that. so much of that all over this record and yeah. again like when you have a good sound system or you, you know you have it playing louder you can really notice a lot of what frank's doing because you know a lot of people give used to give him shit and be like oh i didn't really need him but it's like yeah he's he's adding something and i think when you actually take the time and listen to the, these songs even if you don't like them you'll notice a lot of what frank's doing especially on this record like there's a lot of interesting textures and stuff that he's adding to these songs that i think takes a mundane song and makes it better right um and I just wrote that, you know, from White Pony on, you can really see and hear what he's adding to this band sonically. And, I mean, all over these first four or five songs, you can hear Frank so much in, in the forefront of what they're doing yeah. that it's interesting because it doesn't take away from anything that anyone's doing, no. but it really fills out the sound of... I mean, take a song like Minerva and a lot of the stuff that he's doing in that. It's a really bare-bones song, 
And I think if they were to, if you were, it's almost like when people say, oh, you can't hear bass in the mix, it doesn't matter. Like, if, when you take it out, you really notice. You could. <laughs> but it isn't until you kind of take that out and see how stripped down everything is and how much, you know, how much you've lost in the, in the sound. And I think uh, if you were to take away what Frank's actually doing on a lot of these songs, you would find that they're kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I would have to agree. I would have to agree. So... Going into When Girls Telephone Boys. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is me. Um, <laughs> probably one of my favorite heavier songs on this whole record. It's just so aggressive and brooding and kind of underlyingly sexy in a, in a weird way. Uh, I love the distorted effect that they put on Chino's voice. Um, the chorus riff. I wrote, ugh, Pit Boss Supreme. Uh, Frank adding that almost horror movie effects in the background just take it to another level for me. Um, this is the first instance of Chino's scream vocals being exactly where I wanted them to be and how I wanted them to be without sounding wimpy or blown out. Um, to me, this should have been the album opener if you're trying to be aggressive right out the gate. Um, the bridge section of the section of this song, for as much as I kind of shit all over a lot of these bridges, um... This one really allows you to kind of hear the sonic dynamics happening in the background and Chino's vocals actually being mixed down a little bit. So you can actually hear the interesting chords that Steph's actually playing, which is like, as I was listening to him, I was like, this is kind of a weird progression for him because like he doesn't play stuff that sounds like that typically. Um, and then I wrote Steph slides into bar chords. Ugh, just perfection. Like... The riff, that, as I was talking about on, on White Pony, where he, off of uh, Elite into the outro riff, like which is just the, the same riff for the, the verses, but he just nailed that slide so well. Every time he does it, you're just always like, oh, that riff. And it's always like just a punishing riff when he does it. So it's like, it's tastefully done every time, and it just makes the experience so much more enjoyable. Yeah, uh, one of, my only note on this one was... Um... I love his scream in this. It is exactly like, as you said, it's exactly where it needs to be. It's, it's, it makes you uncomfortable to listen to it. And that's what I like. So kind of, (laughs) kind of refused esque, uh, just like ah, blood curdling and lovely. Uh, so that's it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, moving on battle axe. I feel like I'm just setting you up for all these like bad ones <laughs> to you. Uh, you can tell that I didn't really listen a lot to the end part of this record at all. <laughs> okay. So I was kind of most of the time I just I always skip over this song because and it because it just reminded me of Metallica when I heard it and I can't stand Metallica so I'm like bah no okay. uh, and it, it that was all I put for it it was just like oh god I just I can't. I can't with this song. And I can't even really pinpoint exactly, besides the Metallica thing, um, <laughs> can't pinpoint exactly what I don't like about it. It's just, it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit me. It, it taps me, and I don't like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wrote that, again, I love the idea of this song as a palate cleanser after the onslaught of One Girl's Telephone Boys, but I feel like this isn't where the song belongs on the track listing, so it really hurts it. Um... Because as a standalone track, it's it's a pretty solid track, actually. Uh, I also feel like this was an in-progress track from White Pony. It just kind of has that that vibe to me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the chorus on this is still pretty weak, solely because of Chino's vocals. Uh, I think that the biggest constant this I think that's the biggest constant end for me for this whole album is his vocals on a lot of it are, are just sound Meh. just sound bad. Like I don't yeah. like I said I don't know if it's an instance of having a cold or blowing out his voice or you know I heard a lot of sort of infighting obviously happening around this time team sleep was kind of becoming more of a thing that he wanted to do or was doing and you know i remember this record taking a lot like what four or five years to to do after white pony came out or maybe not quite how do you Uh, follow up such a such a masterpiece i mean (laughs) there's potentially that is is a problem but I, i mean like i had said on the last chat where you know like actually i guess the last two or three really where Chino's becoming more involved in the writing process with, you know, playing guitar and such. Mm-hmm. This, this more than White Pony feels like. Whereas White Pony, I feel like there was a good mesh between everything. Like everyone kind of got to do their thing, and it just worked. I feel like there's a lot of like, you could tell that with Steph getting that, you know, the the lower tuning and and kind of getting more heavily influenced by Michigan bands of that nature. That it's like you he you can tell he wanted to go heavier, and then yeah, it it wasn't. everyone's like. Sorry, guys. Yeah. No, no Steph, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it sounds like we're both kind of eh on this, but for completely different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I actually like this song. I just, I don't think it belongs where it is. And I think that's actually a lot of the issue with, with this album for me is that I think the, the track listing just didn't really work. Uh, but that being said, like, that's why a lot of times I'll, I'll throw a record on shuffle and, and really kind of... You know, because sometimes like that song will flow from another one and, and kind of give you give it new life, and you're like, wow, actually this song's really good. It just it's just in a shit spot on the on the album. Right, right. But I think it's also too because people don't really listen. Not a lot of people uh, these days listen to song like a, listen to a record all the way through. Yeah. Um, now it's just like you know pieces of pieces yeah. of records. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of gone back so to what the, it used to be with singles and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, lucky you. Uh, you and me. <laughs> um, could have done without this song on the album as a whole. Uh, maybe a hit, maybe a hidden track. This to me totally ruins the vibe of the album, and it was really just a Team Sleep track, honestly, because it's just Chino and DJ Crook, which is the foundation of Team Sleep. Um, I felt like this basically should have just been a song that maybe introduced Team Sleep on the Matrix soundtrack, which is what yep. this was off of. Yeah. Um. I think in that regard, because, I mean, you listen to this and then you actually go and listen to Team Sleep, it is totally a Team Sleep song through and through. Uh, <laughs> it would have been better just to be like, this is a Team Sleep song, because, like I said, outside of Chino having the affiliation to Deftones and tying it to that, it's nobody else is on this, uh, as far as I've read or learned, like, learned about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, this really should have not been on this record. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it's a song you really like because I mean it's kind of yeah, more it, more in your vibe of stuff that you like it is a hundred percent up my alley I was like oh yeah yeah I'll <laughs> like this one um like I said I didn't really listen to the ending part of this record very much uh so this is like maybe the third time I've ever heard the song and I don't remember I don't remember it from before I'm like wait a second this is where did this song come from huh so I listened to it like ten times. Like this is great. I love this. It's all this like really sexy Depeche Mode kind of thing going on, and I fucking love Depeche Mode. Yeah. So, but I agree with you. It is absolutely not a song that should be on a Deftones record. No. 100%. It shouldn't. 
but I fucking love it. I like love this, it. This should have been maybe the on the B sides and rarities album. <laughs> just <laughs> or just like I said on the Team Sleep album. Completely I mean, out of left field, right? Yeah. Um, um, so I that's what I said. Team Sleep, like hundred percent. Like yeah. there's there, there's absolutely no veiling that whatsoever. It's no, not at all. And and I've always felt that way about this from when I because unfortunately the not unfortunately I guess but uh, this song was basically the first song that you heard off of this record because the Matrix soundtrack came out before this and before Minerva not by much but when can you imagine like do you probably not but do you remember potentially getting that Matrix soundtrack and hearing this and be like this is Deftones this is what they're following up White Pony with like okay like what the fuck is this (laughs) and this is also when everyone was like well you know Team Sleep's doing this thing. We got, like, me and DJ Croak. Like, you know, like, we worked on what stuff on White Pony, like Teenager, another song I didn't particularly like. So to me, it seems like every time Chino involves Crook on anything that's Deftones-related, you're just like, why, why the fuck did you put this on here? Like, the, like you have this other thing. Like, just call it that and, like, have this be the launching off point. So those people who love this can get even more stoked on that, and those that love the Deftones won't be like, what the fuck is this? Like, this yeah, isn't Deftones. So, yeah, I don't think you can really marry the two uh, no. successfully. No. Although, on its own. Yeah, on its own, I, it's fine. But... It's great. I love it. Um, it's, it's really smooth. Oh, I was just like, it's such a fucking weird song. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, Bloody cool. Cape. Um, I put, anyways, that on any Deftones record, that there always has to be the one ball crushing song and this one i think is <laughs> is that one uh it's likely the one that steph was like okay we're doing this <laughs> i don't care what anybody else thinks we're doing this fucking song um and it it, it just the ending of it kills me it is it sounds like a, a cat is being beat bludgeoned to death with god knows what it's fantastic it's yes. oh god i was like yep okay um, don't remember this song from before either. It's actually um, a single. It was the last single on this really? record. Yep. Okay, see, I didn't even know that. You should watch the like, video. This is, this is how how much of you know. I, I hadn't even seen any of the videos off of Saturday Night Wrist either. By the way, it's only um, two that I'm aware of. I think. Oh yeah, I haven't seen them. I, I it came up on my YouTube once. I'm like, what video is this? I'm like, oh right, <laughs> it's from the t- it's two albums I don't have. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, I love it. I love this. This song is so, it's so ball crushing. It's fantastic. Yeah, the uh, yeah, because the singles off of this, uh, the first technically real single, because like I said, "Lucky You" is a, a, a soundtrack single. Yeah. Um, so the the real singles, Minerva started it off. Uh, Hexagram was second, and then this was the last single off this album. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as actual singles that they pushed. Um, Bloody Cape, I wrote strong contender for song of the album for me. Classic Deftones, sweeping guitars in the intro before a punishing groove hits you and gets your head bobbing right away. Chino sounds great, start to finish. Uh, again, the band firing on all cylinders. The bridge of this song always gets me hyped as fuck. Yeah. Um, fun story about when I bought this record, the day I bought this record, because I bought it the night it came out. Um, I... Out, out here in Michigan, we have a thing called Meyer. Um, it's a 24-7 other than... Oh, that. yeah, the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. they also like it's like an all-in-one like they have clothes they have cds and all that kind of stuff so uh i used to work at the at a strip club back in the day and so i wouldn't get out until about you know two three four o'clock in the morning so when this came out i didn't have time to go get it when it came out uh early in the day so when i got out of work i w- went all the way because, I mean, back then gas was cheap as shit, so I drove to another town just so I could actually have, like, a driving experience with the record, like, listening to it. That's too funny. So I drove, <laughs> I drove, like, probably from where I was working to where I ended up to get the CD uh, about mm, probably 45 minutes away. And got this record, and there's this road. And now, mind you, like, I had kind of... At this point, I think I had accident on my CD, the old CD into a tape player thing uh, oh, for your car. God. So I had one of those, but I think I had accidentally hit uh, shuffle. Uh, so I heard this song before it came. And then so I was in this part of the town I was driving through to get back into where I, like in the town I lived in. There's like a, it's all basically backwoods, back roads, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And it was like a very dark night with just like a really nice bright moon and i remember when the song came in i heard it and then i was like fuck i gotta i gotta hear that again but it happened to be on this stretch of road that's pretty much just straight and there's no no street lights or anything mm-hmm. and and i don't advocate anyone doing this but <laughs> i turned off my lights on the car and i had all the windows rolled down and i just cranked this and drove like the mile or so straight down the road just you know or a couple miles down like a straight line listening to this just kind of lost in the woods on a really nice like fall evening when this came out wow and just being present in in the song and just in the moment of what i was doing all alone by myself in the middle of pretty much nowhere right in the country and just jamming this this song and just being like wow like this is a fucking good song and then, you know, I turned on my lights because, like, I would intermittently turn them on just to make sure I wasn't going to run into anything. But, like, the, the moon was so <laughs> bright, like, I could actually see pretty far down the straight straight line okay. of the road. But it's something that I'll, I'll never forget, and it always reminds me of that. And I don't think people people shouldn't do that, but it also makes me think that people don't have that connection with a song or, or music anymore. Because it's, like you kind of said, like, people don't listen to full records or whatever. Right. Especially a deep cut, like this far into the end of an album like i don't really foresee people being like oh you know it's a great song that one mm-hmm, yeah, i'm just gonna wait for that one yeah yeah no so, definitely not so good to see that we both agree that this song is uh disgustingly good oh yeah no i i was like yep totally up my alley 100 yeah. percent. thank you steph thank you so much yeah um anniversary of an uninteresting event here we go back to the hate, I'm sure, on your end. <laughs> I wrote, is that a fucking xylophone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one, I was, originally that was all I was going to say. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> when I'm listening closely, I had to play it like three or four times. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a, that's a xylophone. It is. It's a xylophone. Um... <laughs> It's from Bloody Kate to that one is is like a complete 360 for me. I'm like, what? Ah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that's all I wrote. Complete 360 is out of fucking xylophone. 
Um. Actually, you know, I hate to be that person, and I ha- I've been thinking about it as you. That's the second time you said that. Wouldn't it be a one eighty? Because a three sixty would just bring you right back where you are. So one eighty would be the opposite of that, right? Well, I mean. And you know, the only the thing that made me think of that was the line from Last Action Hero when the the main crime boss dude was like, he's like, oh, did you. You do this, and now you do this. It's like a 360. And then the guy with one eye is like, if I did a 360, I would be right back where I fucking started. And then he shoots him. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the saying is that, it, the, the sense is that it's just completely not what you were expecting. Yeah, no, I, um, I don't know. But I it, yeah, but if thinking. you want to be technical, yes, <laughs> it would be 180. Sorry. But, you know, I mean, it makes sense but at the same time it's just like what the hell is going on now because it, it, it this is what i don't like i'm ruining it by jumping the, i'm jumping the gun a little bit but just what they don't like about this record as a whole is that it's just there's no cohesion to it it just seems like it's all over the place see that's where i was like i was saying i feel like the track listing of this record doesn't help this record because i think that this Okay, I'll just kind of get into what I, I was, what I wrote. <laughs> a lot of hate for this song. To me, this is the album closer. Uh, it creates a really interesting vibe that they've never really explored before on any record and really haven't done since. Uh, I'm really interested to know who came up with this song, uh, who wrote it or brought it to the band, who played what, and I would be really interested to see this song played live once, personally. Uh, I feel like whoever... I'm assuming... Actually, I can't even assume that Stefan maybe came up with this somehow. I feel like whoever came up with it obviously smokes a lot of weed and just wanted to, like, create, like, a vibe and just kind of, like, a trippy, like, here's this kind of swirling thing that, you know, is what it is. Uh, I personally really, really like this song. Um, I mean, hence, that's one of the other reasons I I named my Deftones tribute show after this song, because it's sneakily one of my favorites of this record. And I know a lot of people feel the way you do. And so, again, I get a lot of hate for liking this one, let alone as much as I do. And a lot of people, I don't think either how I felt about Lucky You, I think, is how a lot of people feel about this song. Like, they're just like, yeah. it's not Deftones. So. Right. But, I mean, that definition becomes very slippery. Like, what is the Deftones in, especially, in its essence? Especially from so. here on out, it, it gets a lot yeah. more convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did mention that it has a kind of a swimmy effect yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's not something that I would have expected at all. And it's not definitely not one of my contenders. <laughs> um, album closer, Mona. Uh, I always felt like this should have been somewhere more in the middle of the record. Because uh, it has more of that brooding angst that the first four or five songs have. Um, mm-hmm. The ending part also has always felt really weird to me. It has this like weird Meshuggah odd time signature thing that I know Steph likes, but you've not really, you've not really seen the band do it. I mean, you get a little bit more of it again on the next record, and how I always point like people are like, oh, there's oh, like where did this come from? And it's like, well, there's always kind of like a, a song that leads to where the band's kind of going, right? And, and I'm not saying this is an indicated indicator of the band excuse me, uh, of where they're going on the next record at all. But um, there are definitely parts where you're like, oh, that's different. But it's like they kind of did it on songs like this. Um, I wrote, I sometimes wonder if this is what Chino and Steph clashing sounds like musically. 
Because, I mean, it's yeah, like it has, it sounds kind of like something Chino would do, and then all of a sudden it just comes in with this, like, weird percussive, like, you know, syncopated riff over, like, some kind of weird, you know, Tom, Tom-filled Tom drums and stuff like that, and you're just like, okay, what's this? And then back into the the song, and you're just like, that, okay, what the fuck was that? Yep. Um, I, I just kind of wrote it as, like, I mean, as an album closer, it kind of makes me wish that it wasn't the album closer, because you're just like, all right. Well, that was an album, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically said the same thing, was that it's a very strange album closer. Um, the the only thing I don't like about it is that there doesn't seem to be an end goal for the song. No. It's a, it's a floater. It's just kind of floating along with no definitive, court, like, you know, structure in, of any, you know... So there's no big chorus. There's no there's, there's you know it just, it from, just is. It just is. It exists, and I and I, I can totally see what you're saying about there being multiple two opposing forces that are just repelling each other. It's like, yeah. What? No. Yeah. It's almost like so. the. I feel like it's like okay, Chino's like I brought this part and stuff's like all right, we'll play that. Well, hey, I got this part, and Chino's probably like all right, I guess we'll throw that in there. And now back to my yeah. part, and it's like oh, let's, let's okay like. For for as much inf- instances over the last handful of records, even on this album, songs that work when the two of them write together or add what they do over each other's parts, this is an example of what not to do with those two, like, because it just doesn't work. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, definitely not one of my favorites again. There are very few favorites, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very, like I said... I, I definitely feel like this this album it's a strong record and I really think if you know people take the time to actually listen to it and and do like what I said and kind of put it on shuffle and find different songs that kind of go together like like I said when you hear Mona mixed in like around the first four four songs like somewhere around like Deathblow Good Morning Beautiful and Minerva somewhere in there it sounds more it like it fits it doesn't right. sound like this where you're like, oh, okay, like, what the fuck are we doing? And to me, like, as much as I say anniversary of an un- uninteresting event should have been the closer, I also feel like you could have ended the song with Bloody Cape, and that would, like, you could make that as the, the starter or the ender for me, and, like, and that just shows how strong of a song that is, that you can put it anywhere, and I've heard it either start the album, like, when I, again, when I hit shuffle, or it ends the album, and I'm always pleased wherever it ends up. Right. Other songs definitely need to be more in line with with songs like them because unfortunately this this album kind of unlike white pony where there's like korea is a it's a crushing song but it has that little bit of a the intro part of it that allows it to feel like it belongs with songs like you know changing the house of flies or whatever like there's there's things to it that make it flow better this Mm -hmm. just doesn't have any of those continuity things going on between the songs to to make it seem like it all fits so to me this just kind of feels like sometimes smashing puzzle pieces in just to be like yep see it's there there's there's our songs and it's like "Mm." yeah i i got that general feeling for the whole uh the whole thing record as well oh yeah it it just seems like it's a you know those children's pegboards where there's all those different like circle square holes and they're just kind of throwing in whatever it just doesn't you can tell that there was maybe some amount of urgency with this record in the sense that you know they were taking a very long time or there were other projects or you know, all of the above. All of the above. Um, pressure from whomever to to put out something equal to or better than White Pony, which is 
quite a tall. They eventually did it. <laughs> yep. But uh, I, I think I think there are a lot of factors that made it uh, difficult. You know, unfortunately, I've in noticed, my opinion, I've noticed that it seems by the general consensus based on album sales and and so forth, uh, it seems like every. Th- Actually, I guess that doesn't apply. No, it does. Every third record is the one that, like, is the the classic. Because you had Adrenaline, you had Around the Fur, then White Pony, which unanimously, like, everyone loved. Then you have this one, didn't sell very well. Then you had Saturday Night Wrist, didn't do very well. Then you had Diamond Eyes, did really <sighs> fucking good. At this point now you have, then after that you have uh, the album I can never pronounce because I always want to fucking throw the, the words around in the wrong order. Uh, no, yo, 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 no, Koi no, yo, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> that one, and then Gore, which gore. seemingly, I, I feel like a lot of people either it's it's very much like the next two, like this one and the next one, where people either really like it or they really fucking hate it. There's not much middle ground. Um, so I'm really expecting the trend to be this next one's going to be another game changer for them, and they're going to do something because I mean that's just kind of the pattern I've noticed already. Mm-hmm. But oh, it, I'm excited. I, you know, I I was pleasantly surprised by by uh, Diamond Eyes when it came out. I was again, it was another one that I had somebody had to play for me because I had written I had written them off. I'm like I just can't I can't deal with this. <laughs> and then I was slapped in the face. But we'll talk about that one. <laughs> All right. So the, now the the always fun part. <laughs> of of picking a favorite, which I actually wasn't sure if we were going to be able to come to a a, a, con- a consensus on this because uh, knowing that you didn't really listen to this and don't really listen to this, it was like, oh, are we going to find common ground and find a song that we both like? But uh, it sounds like we both will probably pick the same one. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say it's Bloody Cape. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a standout for me. Uh, with Lucky You being a very, very close second. And see, uh, my, else... my close second would have been Anniversary. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Because <laughs> it, it just, I think it also, because it means diff- this record can mean different things to different people, like anything, yeah. uh, like any record. Um, it coincides with what's going on in your life, and, you know, it reminds you of something. For me, it was just not something that I wanted to revisit. So... You know, it was, I don't even remember what I was listening to in 2003. I was going through this, you know, this period of like not wanting to listen to music at all. Like I didn't want to hear music. It was a very weird, like 2002, 2003 was not good for me. <laughs> it was just like, wanted to listen to silence. And that is, that's. It's because you're a Depeche Mode fan. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, no, because silence. I enjoyed the silence. Yep, there it is. <laughs> you and you, yeah, you know, I had to go there. No. Um, well, that's our our chat. I think that's probably our fastest one of breaking down a record. <laughs> yeah, um, because you know, it's the ones that we want to fangirl over. Um, you know, are different, I guess. <laughs> right. Or the same, or or when they're the same, it, it turns into a two-hour conversation. Right. Um where the the classic cliche and ending to something where can uh people find you anything to to plug or promote uh yeah actually um well i I don't know how many people that would be listening to this would be able to attend 
but uh, all the, of them. <laughs> the uh, the friends and family uh, screening of the new Kitty documentary will be happening on October twenty seventh from uh, seven to nine. Uh, some people that were supportive of the uh, Indiegogo campaign obviously uh, have gotten tickets for that already. Awesome. Um, however, there is an after party that will happen uh, just two doors down kind of deal where uh, three bands will be playing. It'll be the Alcoholies, which is one of Mercedes bands, the White Swan, also one of Mercedes bands. And then Kitty will also be playing with various lineups. Um, so lineups from each um, record. And so we'll be playing, I will be playing uh, for the spit uh, section. So that's a big thing. People were quite excited about that. I'm quite excited about it as well. So uh, again, that's October 27th at Rum Runners in London, Ontario. Uh, so if you're feeling, I know there are a lot of American fans that are like, really? <laughs> well, I mean, come we on. Live. Like the band is from that area. So that's why wouldn't true. it be there? Right. From a logistics perspective, like obviously it's only going to be a one-off, uh, at, at least at this point. At this um, point, yes. That and where it is, it's like, okay, that just makes sense, obviously. Like, I'm not going to be one of those fans like, oh, bring it to my town and be all disappointed. There's still, I mean, there's still going to be people that do that, which I oh, completely, sure. completely understand. Some people have never seen Kitty ever. Um, if you want to come to it, you can buy tickets online. It's $5 uh, prior to. You can buy it at the door as well for 10 I believe. Uh, or is it 7 and 10 I can't remember. But anyway, if you go to uh, Kitty's Facebook page, all that information is there. And that was my chat with Fallon Bowman, where we break down the self-titled album of the Deftones. Interesting to see that even though we've had completely different experiences with this album, with me listening to it quite frequently over the last decade or so of it being out, to Fallon only having a handful of experiences listening to the album as a whole, that we still agreed on quite a bit of the dynamics of the record and feeling a lot of the same ways about the specific songs and even coming to the conclusion that bloody cape is probably the the best song off of the record i honestly thought that she was going to pick lucky you just for her kinship with uh more electronic based music uh so i kind of thought maybe we were going to have a, a little bit more of a debate on what the best song was but interestingly enough we both picked the exact same song so uh if you would like to Go see Fallon playing with Kitty. As she said, they are playing at Rum Runners in London, Ontario on October 27th, uh, right after the documentary gets uh, aired. So if you are one of the lucky few that are going to that uh, release of the movie, head on over and go see the band play a career-spanning set. I think, like, like I said earlier in the intro, it'll be a very interesting thing, and I hope maybe they do a live feed for those of us who aren't able to come out to the show. And maybe, just maybe, if there is enough demand, I've seen Stranger Things happened, and I've seen these things turn into slightly reunion tours. Uh, I don't know what that would look like with a band that has as many members as Kitty does, uh, but it would be very interesting, and I think it would go over very well if a lot of these shows could be turned into a full-on tour uh, maybe you break it up over the course of a year where you do West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, maybe some European runs or so forth. Uh, I mean, Alexis on Fire has really kind of been the band that's been doing that since they came back. Uh, just doing small little bits of touring here and there. And it seems to be working from the booking perspective and the financial aspect of it. Otherwise, the band obviously wouldn't keep doing it. So 
Uh, with that being said, maybe fingers crossed 2018 we get a, a spit album reunion tour. Uh, I know for someone like myself who never got to see the the ladies play on that era, and that's that's the era of the band that I, I heavily identify with uh, as a fan. I definitely would like to see Fallon and the ladies get back together and and play those songs and have a night of nostalgia, which seems to be all the craze lately with the bands that have been around for a decade plus. So we'll see how this pans out. I know I'm interested to see the live feed or whatever it is and, and take what I can get at this point. But I'm definitely interested in maybe there being a, a full-on reunion tour uh, down the road. Uh, with that, all of that, you can follow Fallon, like I said earlier, on Fallon Bowman on pretty much all of her socials. Uh, I think that'll be a great way to maybe see if there will be a live feed of the show. Uh, I'm sure she'll post the links to that, as well as uh, going over to Kitty's Facebook page and kind of getting tickets for the the reunion show and all that kind of stuff if you're in the you know Toronto area. If you would like to follow me across social media platforms like Twitter, you can do such at John's Untitled Pod, Facebook and Instagram, and YouTube, all at John's Untitled Podcast. Uh, if you would like to email me, do such at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. Got some great guests coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. I know I keep saying that. But rate, review, subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, which I still think is a fucking stupid thing to have changed the name. It's still just basically fucking iTunes in my book. But rate, review, subscribe, whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. By doing that, it shows that I can, I have an audience, that people actively are listening to these things. Uh, once again, the YouTube channel is doing really well. It seems that's a great way for people to find the podcast. Uh, the Nate and Ivy Barclow episode is doing phenomenally well and getting a lot of feedback. Uh, something that someone actually said that made me think about a little bit more was uh, how I should reach out to more couples who have been together for a long time and just offering a different perspective of of a band's history. And while I think that's a great idea, and it, and it is the reason that I talked to Nate and Ivy, I don't really know that there's many people that are like them where they were high school sweethearts and have the perspective of before the band became as big as they ended up becoming, the whole time during, the after, and so on and so forth. Because sadly, and like most people in our in this day and age, people get divorced. So that's the thing that made me really want to talk to Nate and Ivy was that it just offered a completely different perspective that I don't see very often so as much as i would love to do that i can't really think of very many people who have gone through the whole gamut of things like that in their relationship uh one of the few that i could think of off the top of my head was anthony green and his wife and especially with a lot of the stuff that he's come out with saying that has gone on with him over the last handful of years between his addictions and so on and so forth but the likelihood of me getting anthony green and his wife on to talk about uh their relationship I feel like it's slim and none. So, uh, again, thank you for all the people who reach out and offer any kind of feedback on this podcast. Reach out on YouTube and, and offer, you know, congrats on how well an interview was done or so on and so forth. Uh, I think it's it's still weird to me that people actually listen to this and the fact that anyone takes any time to you know, reach out to me and say anything is still kind of, uh, interesting to me. I do this in my house and I don't really talk to anyone. <laughs> so it, you're kind of in this weird bubble of, you know, does this suck or whatever. And it's just kind of flattering to know that people actually take the time to listen to any of this. And like I've said countless times before, I know it's the guest that draws the people in, 
but the fact that people actually talk about the questions I have or, you know, hey, that was a question that I've always wanted to know or, hey, you brought up this thing that I've always, you know, wanted to know more about, but, you know, they, no interview they've ever done has talked about these things. Uh, so, I mean, I see these comments and I try to reply to everything that I can. Uh, and granted, it's basically because there's not many comments to go through, but I still take the time to thank everyone for, you know, listening to these uh, I've had people I've run into in person say that they know me from this and have heard a couple episodes I've done with people they've looked up to or band people they're into or whatever. And, uh, that's, that's a weird thing, uh, to, to not know, to have someone tell me they know me from this, but I don't know them. Uh, that's, that's kind of weird. But if, uh, if you do listen to this and you like what I'm doing, you know, thank you. Thank you for listening. Share the episodes that you like with your friends that may like them. Uh, share the Facebook page, like the Facebook page, follow me wherever. Uh, I'm trying to be more active just as across the board uh, and sharing cool shit that I think is out there, like, you know, the end band stuff. Uh, they just put out a second pressing of their record, so if you missed out on the first one, go over there, buy up one of the first press or the second pressing of the vinyl. Uh, they've announced a handful of more new shows out on the East Coast and some other places. So, I mean, that's something I'm really looking forward to is end and hopefully they'll come around closer to the midwest so i can actually go see them but yeah rate review subscribe share the podcast however you can and uh as we always do we are going to end this episode with a song and it is the song that we unanimously picked as the best song off this record which is bloody cape uh it is one of my favorite deftones videos too it's weird uh <laughs> as far as what the song is and how it is visually aren't necessarily how I would put them together. But it is interesting that uh, during the heaviest part of the song, there's like dogs barking in slow motion and shit. And it's cool. And uh, so, yeah, if you haven't seen this video, go check it out. So without further ado, this is Deftones with Bloody Cape. Talk to you next week. Bye.